1: Pack-a-Day podcast.
2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode, at least a co branded episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast, along with the Acme Packing Company. I am so incredibly excited to be doing this once a week with my good friend, Justice Mosqueda. You can follow him on Twitter at J U M O S Q. You can follow me at Andy Herman, NFL. Justice, we are living the one and no life. How the heck are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, a Bears fan wrote a poem that was like, you know, I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of wondering if uh, if we have a quarterback. And like the second to last line is I'm tired of Justice Mosqueda. So we're in their heads. We're doing it. We're one to know this is everything that we wanted for the season opener.
2: It, it really was. And after months and months of. Smack talk and back and forth between Packer fans and Bears fans too and I've said this before like already over the last couple of days I think like a thousand times, but to see them booing their own team in eight minutes, nine minutes left in the third quarter at home just absolutely amazing. So I'm booing yeah. the hell out of them multiple times. yeah yeah I had a I had a similar one. This is from Nathan Salinas uh, who responded back to me today, um, said, and I can't read it all because it's, uh, you know, not PG rated here, but he said, I actually hate you green Bay bleepers. You guys are so bleeping lucky. I legit don't like football anymore. I have fallen out of love with football, which is just amazing. And I we love every it. second of it. We did, we did it. Did it. <laughs> The Bears are down. The the fan base is down. The team is down. And it is very, very joyful. Let's let's actually break down this game as much as we like we could go 30 minutes of just, you know, breaking down tweets from Bears fans over the past uh, nine months. But uh, let's start far reaching and just kind of your overall takeaways as you watch the games. You've rewatched it, I'm sure, a thousand times by now. What were just kind of your biggest key nerdy takeaways from this game? um one of the weird ones was quay walker is the penny
1: linebacker now yeah so when there's only one linebacker on the field it's 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 quay and not devondre and i know that's something that um they showed a little bit in the preseason but you know it's not like campbell was out there uh, for a bunch of snaps in the preseason so i wasn't sure if
2: that was going to translate do you know i didn't Um, even see do you know who had the green dot i didn't even pay attention i I think it was
1: quay and then when quay went out i think i think they gave it to devondre
2: okay interesting
1: yeah cuz there there's no way that um that Devondre would have been able to have the green dot if That's what I was you know, thinking too. Quay was the, the pennybacker so.
2: It's it's interesting because I, there had been some signs that maybe Quay was going to be the, the the caller like the play caller and that he was going to be the lone inside linebacker in practice. And I tried to get when Joe Barry was at the podium, I tried to get him to commit to it and ask him like, do you know who's going to be the the green dot? And he's like, you know, of course he like punted on it. And it's like, oh, there's a variety of different guys who can do it. And we're still working through that and stuff like that. But I was hoping he was going to tell me, and then I would kind of know, but uh, as you can imagine, he punted on it. But I, I, I was kind of wondering if Koi was going to be both the play caller and the guy who was the lone linebacker on the field.
1: Just that. And then the passing offense went the way that I kind of assumed it would go right where it's like, generally positive, generally trending toward, like, hashtag run the offense, Um, but also still, like, yeah, this is the dude's first true start. So, like, yeah. he's going to, like, one out of five reps, there's just going to be, like, a weird play or a bad ball, right? And um that was good enough to beat this Chicago Bears team because they didn't really have anything going on offensively.
2: I, I, I'm actually curious of your thoughts on this. I'm I'm still sort of wondering – how much of it is all right, Jordan being the first time and how much of it is just getting on the same page with some of these wide receivers and tight ends for the first time. Like the Musgrave one felt like if he just continues sprinting, I think that's on him. It might've still been slightly overthrown. It's tough to tell. Uh, But I think that at least it's a lot closer if they're a little bit more on the same page on that play. I don't know how, again, I'm interested in your thoughts on this as well, but I feel like on the Jaden Reed throw, the one earlier in the game, Um, I know the announcers were like, it needs to be more outside and things like that. I just kind of wanted to see Jaden come back to the ball a little bit more on that one. There's just a few of those where I feel like it's just almost more of a rhythm and a timing and a consistency thing that I'm hoping kind of gets better through the course of the year. But we do know some of the accuracy issues have been there from time to time as well.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it'll get better throughout the year. I mean, how often has Rodgers made it a point to just keep slow dudes that he knows around just because he knows their timing? You know what I yeah. mean?
2: So um
1: yeah. I mean, uh,
2: still, by the way, tonight as we get ready for the game, yeah, that's that's... Still, we're recording this before uh, the Jets game, but yes, still, still that for Aaron Rodgers.
1: I, I guess the other thing too, I would say, um, did Tavian Wicks kind of get that starting role over Malik Heath? I would have thought it was going to be Heath because Heath too. was the guy who came in and replaced Romeo Dobbs in the third preseason game, and I would have just thought he's next man up as that outside receiver. That ended up being. Um, Wicks, and they kind of used the guys in an interesting way. So I kind of like wrote up like how the Packers used um, their their personnel at wide receiver to kind of like replace Watson at APC today. Um, Wicks, so these are all reps with Jordan Love, right? Yep. Not, not the garbage time snaps. Um, Wicks had 32 snaps. Reed had 31. Dobbs had, thir- had 29. Heath had 25. And Toure had 19. But what's really interesting is, is when you get into the splits of like who was inside, who was outside, when were they used, stuff like that, right? Like Reed is the slot receiver, right? Um, Wicks and Dobbs are like the true outside guys. And then Heath and Toure were used in like two wide receiver sets for the most part as outside receivers. So like they're kind of like the blocking help type of guys. So it was interesting to see how they use that. And then um, the motions that they were using uh, to get some of these guys open Um, you know that's obviously you know one of the big concerns when a guy like Watson goes down right it's like hey what if they just play us in press man coverage and we can't beat anyone in man coverage and the way Green Bay did it the first 15 plays of the game they opened up in motion right Ins- yeah. insane and they were doing a lot of aggressive motions Um, this isn't going to be great for the audio listener but So, like, when you're going in motion, right, and let's say there's two guys over here, right, a lot of times it's just like, doot, 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 and you just go to the other side. The way they were doing it was they were, like, getting here, get as close as possible, full speed run. You know what I mean? So, it's like you can't really press them in any sort of way. And they were changing the math so quickly on some of these plays that you could tell even though the Bears were playing really simple coverage schemes like they weren't blitzing or doing a bunch of stuff like that um it was confusing the rules like the first touchdown with romeo dobbs right Jaden reed goes into motion full speed they snap the ball he never slows down ever right it's like one of those canadian or arena football plays where yeah. like these guys are full speed motion um and uh i think it was eddie jackson didn't realize you know i i have a whole man of, of dobbs now Because there's only two guys on this side, he was thinking, you know, it's trips, I have help to the inside. No, they're preoccupied with that guy who right before the snap, ran over there and and is now flooding that coverage um, that side of the field. So uh, I I thought that that was interesting. I think these aggressive motions are gonna probably going to be like the DNA of this team this season. So That's going to be interesting to watch.
2: I love that you brought up the rules defensively because I can only imagine if you, and again, I know not great for the the audio listener here, but if you have those and they all of a sudden are stacked up against each other and then you snap the ball and they aggressively go like in those situations, like you've got to communicate those really, really fast to make sure that everyone's on the same page.
1: Well, that was part of the issue with the Joe Barry stuff on third down last year. And, And that's, I mean, this is what the NFL is getting into everyone. It went from everyone getting into like really spread stuff. Now everyone's bunching up because it's really hard to play if you're, if you're all bunching up or stacking and stuff like that. Um, people call it banjo coverage, but to be able. Okay. So, so when guys get into a stack, right. They're real tight against each other. What usually yeah. happens is you end up playing one guy low, right. A, probably like a corner who's like pressed up and then a guy up to, up, up yep. at the top. Right. So maybe a safety and you call it, it's just, they call it a banjo check. And what it really is, is like, okay, the low guy is going to take the first guy inside and then, you know, the guy up high is, is going to deal with the rest of it. Well, when they're starting the motion, you don't know that it's going to go into, you know, that tight split. So mm-hmm. you don't know if that guy's going to go all the way across the field and we have to go from, oh okay, our strength is to this side to, Oh, we have to rotate the safety that way now, or if it's, Oh yeah, they're just going to get real tight. Now we need to have a banjo check, but we don't know that until like literally the ball is snapped because these guys are coming in full speed. So it's going to be really hard to deal with. I, I saw some highlights from um, the Miami game. Cause I think the Miami game was going on at the same time. Yeah, And uh, Tua had like 450 yards or something like that. And they're doing a lot of the same stuff. So I think this is kind of, a new way that the NFL was going to use kind of space speed leverage uh, to just get guys open and green Bay never had an issue of, of getting a guy open um, even without Christian Watson. So,
2: yeah. No. And I think that's something that's going to be hopefully advantageous moving forward as they do hopefully get Christian Watson back sooner rather than later. But you knew you knew something was coming on offense because it just felt like defenses were ahead last year with what they were doing. And you knew offenses were going to strike back in some capacity. And, um, you know, the the great thing is it seems like the Mike McDaniels and the, the Matt LaFleurs of the world, the Kyle Shanahan's are the ones that are ahead of it right now, which is really, really nice to see if you're a a Packer fan. And I I love hearing some of those breakdowns because you can tell some of the thought, time, effort, energy that Lafleur put into this stuff in the offseason. And I think he has maybe a quarterback that's maybe a little bit more willing to try some of those things out. And I'm hoping for the same exciting results moving forward. Yeah, they definitely did. This wasn't the Aaron
1: Rodgers offense. It really wasn't. I mean, I think Dobbs got like one of – you know, run solutions. I've jokingly called them run pollutions uh, in the past. Um, (laughs) But, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of that. I mean, they ran the the crap out of the read option um, when – what's his name? Uh, I want to call him McSorley. I know it's not McSorley. Clifford uh, came into the game. Um, When he came into the game, it was basically just zone read city. Um, But they weren't doing a whole lot of option other than the triple option that got blown up. They weren't doing a whole ton of RPOs. It was a lot of just like – we run the ball. We run play action off of it.
2: Yeah, you had the one little one to Dobbs that went for one yard on the left side, and then you could kind of call the one the Dobbs jump ball touchdown, where it was a called – it looked Triple like it called play. run play, and then he gave him kind of a jump ball. <laughs> Outside of that, yeah, I don't I don't think there was too many run solutions in that game, and they just kind of ran what was called. And I don't know. I kind of liked everything. There was that, that little spurt between the first drive in the first quarter um, to the first drive in the second half. There was a little bit of dysfunction there. Things didn't get going quite as much. You had two, three and outs, then like a six or seven play series. And then you had the two minute drill at the end. Um, And things like Matt even said, they just didn't get into much of a rhythm. But overall, I like the play calls. I thought there were a couple of plays out there that they just didn't hit on, which is going to happen. But overall, I I like the state of this offense after one week. Have you seen the all 22? Because I still haven't. I've seen seen the broadcast like 10 times. I've seen it all in offense. I'm 48 plays in on defense. How wide open was Wicks the entire game? Uh, there were a few plays. I actually, I, I had a nice grade on him for this game. Like there were a couple plays where he got open, um, where I was impressed with his route running. I also thought he did a pretty nice job as a blocker. So there were there were definitely a couple plays. There's one early. I want to say it was either first or second quarter where he just makes a just an awesome route and he had he had his guy beat deep deep ish. Um, and yeah, there there were definitely a couple plays like that. Because I could tell on the broadcast,
1: there were, there were a couple times just off the line, he's destroying some of these guys. Yeah. And Wicks was a guy who, you know, you were able to get a better look at him than me because you were down at practice. But, you know, he was dealing with a hamstring and a concussion for two of those preseason games. So yep. I think he got like five snaps the entire preseason with Jordan Love um, in actual, you know, preseason games. Um, so, of course, he so, gets the
2: most snaps of any wide receiver in this
1: game. Yeah. So, like. To me, it's like fresh eyes looking at yeah. this guy. And I'm like, whoa,
2: what the heck is this? Yeah. So he he's really, really fun. So as a as a pure um like off the line of scrimmage guy, and people are gonna go crazy with this, but like he's got a little Devonte Adams in his bag at, at, at like off the line of like just some different nuanced stuff that he does to get people to go one way and then kind of crosses them over like Devonte did. He's not Devonte. I'm not saying that, but like, he's got some, some release stuff that's really, really fun. There are times where it takes him a hot second to get into that release where it's like, he's kind of dancing a little bit, probably a little bit too much where if you're Devonte Adams, you give him carte blanche to just be like, yeah, you're Devonte Adams go do what you want. And I don't know how much, leeway they're going to give, you know, Dontavian Wicks uh, to begin with. But um, there was also a play really early on in practice. I think it was actually the very first practice of the year where, you know, they love that little wide receiver motion into the box where it's kind of like almost lining up as like an H back, just a yeah. little off of like the, the tackle. The very first, I think it was the very first practice of camp. He does that, and Rudy Ford drops in the box. And we know Rudy Ford's not like a small guy, and Wicks just completely seals him. And it's a big run right off of Dontavian Wicks. I'm like, if he if he can do that, he's going to get in the game quite a bit. So he's a really fun player. You can tell he's still developing, but like there is a lot of meat on that bone. Where if some of the progression stuff comes, like look the heck out because he, he's very very fun. He yeah, he was a guy who ne-
1: didn't necessarily get a ton of production in this game, but right again, just me watching off of the broadcast and then. Charting where they lined up and where the snaps, uh, you know, how many snaps they took with like the actual um, offense before the garbage time team came in. I was like, OK, this is like a th- a thing. And I don't know what the limit of it is, but like this isn't the last time we're going to hear about Duntavian Wicks contributing into a game this year.
2: So yeah, I just looked at it. I actually did have a slight negative on it because it's, but it was because he had two penalties. He had the you know hmm. holding penalty, and then he had a false start penalty. But had it not been for that, he would have had a really good grade on the day. There so. was a false start. That was the weakest false start I've ever seen in my life. He, he like, like twitched barely twitched his, back back his leg, leg a little bit. Yeah, yeah no, get barely out of here. his back leg. And it's just like, all right, fine, so be it. He technically did, but my goodness, uh, I know we kind of touched base on this a little bit, in you know with Jordan Love and where we kind of saw the, some of the same stuff where. Like one out of every five plays, it's gonna be something, yeah. You're not quite sure what you're gonna get. But what was your overall takeaway from Jordan in this game? Yeah, I mean, just
1: something to build on. I mean, that's really what it like. Was it perfect? No. I'm not even sure if it was good. Um, but like he did some good things, right? Yeah. And there's certainly some things to to clean up. Like some of the stuff was just weird, like the the fumbled throw on the white leak right which is like the kyle shanahan staple where you know yeah. they throw it to use check or kittle or whoever they forget about up the sideline um that play is obviously weird but then like the throwback screen where he's like doing a pirouette and like and throw, throwing foot, it back yeah. yeah off his back foot like set your foot, foot and rip it man yeah i'm like dude you're gonna like hurt your knee or something doing that <laughs> that hurts my knee just looking at it. it so um yeah, I mean, certainly stuff to build on, but again, like that's that should have been the expectation coming in. Like this dude is super young. He's basically started one real game that's been game planned against him, right? Um, in in football, and this is what it's going to be moving forward. Just hope hope that they can just kind of stack good games on top of each other onto Atlanta. They don't have any cornerbacks. They really don't have any pass rush. Like, hopefully, is Terrell, is
2: Terrell hurt? Terrell hurt, or is he? Are you just saying he's not good? Oh, no, he's he's fine actually, but
1: they they're they have weakness at the other spots,
2: yeah. No, everything else is bad, but yeah, they have one good corner in Terrell, and then yeah, the rest of the secondary, not so great. No pass, oh, Jesse Bates. For... I take it back, Jesse Bates.
1: True, J- Jesse, yeah, new addition, free agent signing. He he made a pick against or two against uh Bryce Young this weekend, it was yeah. like the same pass, he just threw it to him twice.
2: Yeah, no, he's, he's super talented. That'll be one to avoid, but I, I like this match. We'll talk about maybe that a little bit, but I think it's going to be a fun matchup Two one and O teams of, of all things going into week two. But um, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think this is a, a game to hopefully stack moving forward. I think you got the first one out of the way, you had a three touchdown, 245 yard, no interception game. I think you'll take it, and then, like you said, there's things to build off of. I, I really like the third and fourth down stuff more than anything. We did mention a couple of those Jaden Reed throws that I think he maybe would like to have back, but I thought overall on the money downs and in the red zone, he came up big, and I think that's kind of all you can ask for in that first game.
1: Yeah, and they were aggressive, too, going for yeah. it on on fourth down at times. I mean, outside of the field goal that Anders hit, I mean, it seemed like they were really kind of putting the pressure on for the most part. I mean, I know they had – I think it was two of, like, the f- fake were going forward on fourth down, take the penalty and, and punt it. But I would have done it the, the same thing in that scenario. Um, totally agreed.
2: Oh, um, go uh, you go ahead.
1: I was just saying, like, I'm, I'm happy looking around the league that some of those fourth down decisions seem solid because you had some weird stuff going. Did you see, the, like, the Tennessee game, the end of it? I,
2: oh, they went for the field goal.
1: They, like, went for the field goal to, like,
2: be down one. One, yeah. And and they they were at, like, like 25, 30-yard line. Yeah, and they never got the ball back. And I'm like – Of course they didn't. Yeah. And, like, (laughs) Brayville's been pretty good, but, like – Yeah, you're better than this. Mike. Mike, yeah, yeah, what's going on, buddy? And, like, I don't know what – Yeah, I don't know what – What was the situation? Was it the – What was – Oh, it was the fourth and 25 on the Kansas City game. Did you see the – maybe I don't know if you posted this or somebody else posted this and I am so mad that I never thought of it, but taking the ball and running out of bounds at your own nine yard line is the most genius thing that I've ever heard in that situation. So, so think of it this way. What's that? So you've got, you've got two Oh two Oh nine left on the clock or whatever, right? You're down by one, you're down by one point. If you go and run out of bounds at your own nine yard line, and let's say you can do it before the two minute warning, think of all the di- like the only thing that gets you beat beat is if they score a touchdown and get the two point conversion cuz then you're down by 9 but if you Damn, hold I'll never do that if you hold then they get the the field goal you're down by 4 and Mahomes is like you for sure are going to get the ball back because they you're the, unless you have like some crazy penalty or something like you're going to get the ball back cuz they can't have extra downs the most downs that they can have is 4 downs so like Worst case scenario is, like I said, touchdown two-point conversion, which is not going to happen. They score a touchdown, get the extra point, you're down eight, Mahomes still can go down and score. If they get the field goal, you're down four, Mahomes can go down and score. You get a turnover or whatever, you're down by one, Mahomes can go down and still score. Like, yeah.
1: I, 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 th- I think it. I think there's some, some merit to that for sure because after they won fourth and 25, good Lord, Andy, you had all your timeouts first. I all. know.
2: So like either, on, man. I think punt is probably still like the most logical there, but like I really did like the go out of bounds because if you punt away, they get a first down, game's over. But if yeah. you go out of bounds at your own nine, there's no first down. Yeah, it's there's no first downs. You can they they have to score. They score or you get the ball back and you're down by one. Like there's yeah, no, they cannot run out the clock in any capacity unless you have like a personal like a, a a way that you gave them a free first down. Yeah. Plus with that Kansas City team and
1: that offense, I know it wasn't performing. Great because the wide receivers had a bunch of drops. And stuff you give like the ball that. to Mahomes, but even when that turnover on downs happened, you say to yourself, like, okay, let 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 them score, right? Let yeah, them score exactly. so we can get the ball back and get a chance with Patrick Mahomes on the field. Eight points gets us in overtime. Like, let's not let's not have this game end because of the clock running out on offense and then just getting like two first downs, right? So, I don't know. I I do think
2: that there's some merit to that.
1: Yeah, the I NFL is getting weird.
2: There's a lot of weird stuff out there now. I know. I'm, I'm just, I was mostly mad that I never thought of that, even like in my like lexicon of things that could possibly happen at an end game scenario. I I, I've never
1: thought about, yeah, giving it to them at the nine. You know, the taking a safety, intentional safety, comes up all the time. Yeah. But giving it to them at the nine is not something I would have thought of.
2: No, because you're probably going to hold, there's a good chance you hold to three. You're down by four. You probably still have one timeout left. Like I don't know, I I like it. But anyway, before we nerd out too much over every scenario that uh, could possibly be, because we could probably do it. Uh, you're I, I have a lot of guests uh, coming on that are going to talk on Pack a Day this week, but you're probably the biggest degenerate that's you know going to be able to be known for talking special teams. So um, I thought overall, before I give you the floor, I thought overall this was one of the more sound like just overall games of special teams. There may be a couple punts that went into the end zone. They'd like to have back, but you also had Chicago fair catch one at the five yard line. Anders Carlson goes six for six on kicks, including crushing a what 53 yard or whatever it was. I mean, really kind of saving Matt LaFleur's bacon uh, at the end of that uh, weird two minute scenario. Uh, you had the big punt return by Jaden Reed. Like overall, yeah. I, I thought this. And you had the Eric Wilson tackle that they got down at like, first their own play. Team. I was
1: gonna bring up to you. Like that was Story. the special teams play of the week to me. Was the Story Eric Wilson thunder. tackle? Yeah, it, insane. I mean, he just wrapped them up at like the ten yard line. And you're like, how the hell did you even get there? Get down that there. fast. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, he played really well. I uh, thought it was interesting. Lucas Van Ness is playing guard on punt team. I saw that. I kind of expected. Uh, Patrick Taylor was playing the wing opposite of, I believe it was DeGuara, um on yeah. uh, on punt team. So, like, that's one reason they ended up calling him up. The, uh, the jammers on special team were Carrington Valentine and uh, Ennis Gaines. So, you know, obviously that's one reason Gaines was called up. The gunners were uh, Gaines and Jonathan Owens, actually. So that's kind of the oh. role that he's playing there. Um, I, I just thought they were playing pretty good. You know, in all phases, generally, it's not like we got a big kick return or anything like that. But a lot of those things, you know, uh, Cairo Santos was kicking with the wind. Right. So those things were hitting on the back line every single time. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, Thought it was a pretty good performance by the team. Kind of thought it's interesting. Zane Anderson didn't get called up uh, for this game. Like you picked up a guy who's a special teams guy off of waivers. And you didn't use him in week one, even though they used, they did use Ben Sims, um, even though he didn't get a single snap on special teams. He got, you know, some of those reps on offenses as a blocking tight end. Um, the fact that they didn't get Zane Anderson into the game is kind of interesting to me because when I watched this Kansas City film, he's playing punt protector. He's playing like that wedge buster position on kickoff. Like those are the positions that Don Levitt generally plays. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to try to like phase out Levitt at some point just because they have a younger guy, or if they're going to try to retro this guy and be like the next Don Levitt. I don't. I don't know what the plan
2: is there. You, you always need a Don Levitt in waiting. You can't. You 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 can't be caught with your <laughs> pants down in the off season without a Don Levitt on your roster. The best time to draft a Don Levitt down is when you don't need one, right?
1: Need one. Yeah, yeah. So again, I I don't know what I genu- genuinely genuinely uh, genuinely puzzled. Like I I don't know what they're doing with that position. Um,
2: I have to. Th- I have to think that there's a chance that he may not be long for the roster if that, if that keeps being the case. Like, if yeah. you're going to call up Ennis Gaines to play him over the guy <laughs> that's on your 53, and I mean, obviously, I don't think there's any risk of them losing games unless some team looks at him at special teams and be like, we really need that type of player. But, um, yeah, it just seems really, really weird. That was the one inactive that I got wrong. I thought Sims would be down and Anderson yeah. would be up. Everything else uh, was, I thought, pretty uh, easy to kind of tell going in. But, yeah, that was, that was an interesting one as well.
1: Yeah, and Sims not getting in on special teams is interesting to me because I would have thought he was going to help out there. Um, But, you know, he was just out there as a blocking tight end. Um, To your point about, like, Anderson, like, they had a year and a half in a Tariq Carpenter and said, you know, we we just can't justify keeping you on the roster. And it's not like that guy wasn't getting playing time. He was out there playing on, you know, kickoff and playing on uh, punt return and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's going to be a, you know, bleeper get off the pot for Anderson, I think, a little bit in terms of the safety position.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, there's any difference in call-ups and how they use their roster this week or if they kind of keep it status quo. Um, Real kind of high level as well. um, I know you didn't have a chance to kind of go through all the all 22 yet, but just maybe a player that stood out to you that, you know, maybe would be surprising and maybe a player that you thought maybe didn't play. It doesn't have to be surprising, but maybe a player that played well, a player that didn't play well in your eyes, you know, kind of coming off this game. Hello friends, as many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals and I desperately wanted to go to game six in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye, Game Six of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your. Before you buy, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only, in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code PACKADAY. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also, keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now,
1: I I actually was. Um, I agree. They didn't make that many plays in the preseason. No. Um. Even though he got some reps, so to see like this kind of juice, and, like maybe it's a motivation thing for the kid, where it's like, yeah. yeah, like these ones count. These ones count for my stats, for my you know potential earnings moving forward, something like that. But like some of the plays that he was making, like the the Justin uh, field sack. Right where he comes clear off the edge and no one blocks him. I know people are like, you know, that you know, he's on block, that doesn't matter. That's a stunt that he just gets out there so fast and then he's immediately running downhill, doesn't give like guys who are 300 pounds don't do that, don't do that. like they don't move like that. So, no. um, I, I was very pleasantly surprised by him. I'm trying to think of if there was anyone else that I was, I mean, Wicks again, like his ability to get off, um, off the line was. Surprising to me, because, um, again, I hadn't been exposed to a lot of him in the preseason.
2: Yeah, no, I, I thought Wyatt was probably 1A. I want to give one other one that was interesting, too. The, uh, Carrington Valentine played, I think, maybe two or three snaps with the defense before he got they in. Got him in
1: uh, they got him in a dime, and they played yeah. him as an outside corner. And Rasul yeah. was the guy who kicked
2: on the inside. I know. It was very interesting. But uh, Valentine, on one, on, I think the first play it's you know he has to go like they're doing like a deep deep crosser and he's it looked like i don't know i didn't like look at it that closely but it looked like maybe it was like a cover three and like he's initially like down and he screams back from the other side of the field to make sure he has his deep area of the field covered and then there was another play too and it's escaping me at the moment but another just like kind of heads up play by him too that he did it was just like this guy's a rookie he's in dime he got like two snaps and in both of his snaps it was like a just like oh, he was a very headsy play by him, and that he knew exactly what he was supposed to do, didn't fall asleep at the wheel, and he could have got tested on it. And if he did, he was he would have he would have uh, aced it just based on where he was in the play. So um, just that that was impressive to me. We we saw some of the playmaking he had. The second game wasn't quite as good in preseason, but like it, it, he continues to impress me even if he's on the field for just a couple snaps here and there.
1: Yeah, and
2: again, he he's a guy who's a core special teams player
1: for yeah. him too right now. Um, he's one of the jammers, so. You know, he's getting out there trying to stop these guys who are flying upfield. Um, I I fear that he's going to be very good. I I, I fear it. Um, I don't know what they're going to do at the cornerback position once Stokes comes back because, you know, they, they've even dabbled with Russell in the slot now, right, with the dime stuff, and they've been saying the whole time that Keyshawn is going to be their slot, but we'll see. Keyshawn was a guy who was a little bit up and down, Um he was. you want to talk about him i mean yeah there's certain plays he sees it and he is Gold. blowing things up and it is if he can play with that full confidence like the, the sky is the limit for the kid but then you have the touchdown that he gave up where he it's clear um i i, I think chicago was did one of those little stack things that we were they talking did. about and you know they have banjo check and you know, what, what's supposed to happen there is Keyshawn Nixon is supposed to have the whole man, you know, once he goes up the sideline and uh, they run a little wheel route. He's standing there, you know, looking at the quarterback, trying to see if he can end up making a little play or, or something like that. If something cr- crosses his face, it never comes and they throw a wheel, you know, right behind his ear hole up the sideline. So, well, they hit,
2: I think they hit a little flat on him earlier in the game. So I think, I don't know if he's thinking like, oh, they're going to go flat again and I can kind of stick yeah. back here, and then the guy goes up and it's just over.
1: Yeah. So he was a little up and down, but um, certainly made some plays. What beat up on Robert Tunyon, beat up on Chase Claypool, just told them like, yeah, that's cute that you have these big bodies, but like if they don't want to block, like I will just yeah. run
2: through them. I'll so. go right through you. I, here's what I want to see. I think Keyshawn Nixon should be the the base nickel with Jair and Razul on the outside. And I don't care what happens when Stokes comes back or any like that to me is your base defense, in obvious, obvious passing downs, I think you got to get your best coverage guys out there. And I don't necessarily think that that's Keyshawn. And I'm, yeah. I'm, not, I'm talking about like when you're in dime, when you're in like third and 15, whatever it may be. I, I mean, maybe there's just value in having a, a guy in the slot that can tackle too and rallies to the football and can come off the edge and can blitz and do some things too. But um, I think at some point when you're in those obvious passing situations, get your best cover guys on the field and then kind of figure out the rest later. And I'm not sold that if, if right now they were in a third and 15, that it shouldn't be, you know, if if you're going to stay in a nickel that it shouldn't be Jair in the slot with Valentine and Rizul on the outside, for instance. Um, so I think there's some opportunity there to maybe switch things up a little bit, but overall, I like what I see from Nixon in the slot. It's just, there's going to be some coverage issues from time to time.
1: And I think there's some merit to that. Um, if you look at how the Packers defensive line, um, rotation kind of works they're in a whole lot of nickel now right like true nickel just two interior guys and in obvious passing downs or i guess like in in not obvious passing downs but closer to passing downs it's uh clark and wyatt out there and then in obvious rundowns it's slayton and clark right so it's you know getting your personnel out there at the right time and i don't know if that's something that i'd really like to hear about barry talking about the specifics of what he's he likes more when he's in the booth because he was in the booth for this game and i don't know if like the personnel stuff is something that helps him because he's able to get bird eye view of it and stuff like that or or what's going on um but i'd like to i'd like to get his perspective on that because for the most part they've just been rolling out their best guys and then they rotate them out you know, um, under Barry. And now it seems like, you know, we have rundown players and pass down players and they play a various amount of roles. So.
2: Yeah. I was always uh, not a huge fan of in the past when it would be like Preston and Gary would be in the game and then they'd something both out at the same time. And it would all of a sudden be like Ladarius Hamilton and Jonathan Garvin, both on the field at the same time. It's just like, you really they,
1: they still do that now, but now it's
2: you have you know, Kingsley and Igbari and Lucas, and Van, Ness, Lucas so. Van Ness. So you're okay. Like you, you're, you're definitely far more okay with it at that point. But um, back in the day when they didn't have that, it was like, you yeah. got to stagger that a little bit more because you were getting no pressure off the edge uh, when you're doing that. But uh, last question for you before we get out of here, unless you had anything you wanted to cover, you got your choice. You can order them in order of importance this week, Christian Watson, Quay Walker, Aaron Jones order of importance from an injury standpoint this week, which one would you most want to see back playing for green Bay against the Falcons?
1: Uh, Aaron Jones. I mean, he was the offense for like three quarters. (laughs) So uh, I'll take him. And then.
2: I think Quay. I think that's the right answer too, which I'm, I I don't know that I would have said that before week one, but he had a nice week one. And I think just with him being a single linebacker, calling the plays for consistency, he was kind of flying around a little bit. I think that might be the right answer.
1: I think the Falcons had like 30 net passing yards entering the fourth quarter. What they want to do more than anything is run the piss out of the football. I'm sorry yeah. if that had a good, good Uh But, you know, they have these big offensive linemen. And like Isaiah McDuffie's the next guy up at inside linebacker. And he is not a big dude. And that's... Yeah. I think that would be a tough ask. I mean, that is a good offensive line. Um, if, if they get, you know, Isaiah McDuffie and Rudy Ford playing in the spine of the defense is, is not probably a, a winning, uh, winning plan for green Bay this week.
2: Yeah. I'm with you there. I think I would go the same order, Jones, Walker, and then Watson, which, like I said, I don't know that I would have said going into week one, but I definitely feel that way now, but we interested. Hopefully, all three of them can go and we don't have to worry about it. But it will definitely be uh worth keeping an eye on all those injuries this week. Anything I'm missing? Anything else you wanted to go over before we get out of here? Uh no, we got into the dime stuff. Um,
1: what'd you think of AJ Dylan's performance?
2: Yeah, I, I will say this. When I went back and watched the all 22 I didn't think like this is sometimes where I think you can get like um, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees because I think it, it, we all watch the game. Right. And you can tell the difference. Like there's a tangible difference when Jones was on the field and when Jones when when it was Dylan, like just bar none, whatever you want to say. I do think Dylan got a little unlucky with his carries and what was blocked up for him. And there just, a lot of times wasn't a ton there. There were times there was, there was the play where he should have probably had a walk in touchdown and instead he kind of tripped over to Guara. I think it was to like on that. Maybe that's just a little bit unlucky too. Um, but like, I'm kind of in the, the, the mode now, especially after we saw the speed on this team over the weekend, um, or uh, on Sunday against the bears of like, I want, I want speed and I want playmakers. And I really like AJ Dillon, the pass protector. I really like AJ Dillon, the mayor of door County, but AJ Dillon, the playmaker has never really been there. If he gets one-on-one in the open field with a safety, more often than not, it's like he's trying to run him over, and the safety's just like, you can run me over, but I'm taking you down with me, and then Dylan ends up kind of stumbling He gets a yard it. and a half extra. He gets a yard yeah. and a half extra, right, exactly. Um, you know, there's not really, I always, when I when I scout running backs, I don't know, I'm sure you do it, I don't know, maybe you do it a lot different, maybe you do it the same, but like, I need to see one thing that you can do in the open field that is going to set. Is it a stiff arm? Yeah. Is it a juke? Is it, you just have Chris Johnson speed and can just run away from the guy. Like there has to be something where if your offensive line gets you blocked up one-on-one and you're with a corner of safety, like you're just going to get through there. And like I said, Dylan sometimes will go through a corner of safety, but a lot of times he goes down with them. And I think, I didn't think it was quite as bad. I thought he did a nice job in pass protection. He had the one drop that wasn't going to really go anywhere anyway. So it's not really, you know, that egregious. But um I thought there were some some plays left on the field, and you just you just you missed that juice when when Aaron Jones is out of the game.
1: I would like Patrick Taylor or Emmanuel Wilson to push him a little bit for playing time. I agree. I I, I just don't see why there needs to be an even split between Jones and Dylan at this point. If you're gonna get Dylan in an action get some of these other guys, some looks too, so that, you know, you're sure one of these guys is, I mean, cause because the other thing too, is like the, the thing about running backs, we're evaluating the only film that the coaches are really evaluating too. Cause yeah. running back's not a position that you can really evaluate in practice. Right? right. Like if you're not hitting, you're not tackling, you're not seeing, you know, what, you know, these break tackle attempts, like you, you're mentioning, like, those don't really matter. Like, do you think any anything that these running backs do before pads come on, you know, in OTAs and stuff, matter? No, it, do- no. it doesn't. So, we're all evaluating the same film, and the film right now is saying AJ Dillon is, uh, at, at least not Aaron Jones. I the, guess that, that's the, that's the lowest bar.
2: Emmanuel Wilson had two plays in preseason that was better than I think anything that I've ever seen out of AJ Dillon from an explosive standpoint. Obviously, the eighty-yard run, but he also had a play where. He got around the edge where I didn't think he there was any opportunity for what is it, he's like two twenty somewhere around there. For like, yeah, he's for big, a little, He's a big guy. He's a big yeah, guy. A like big I guy. I'm like I, he's going around the edge, and I'm like, there's no way Emmanuel Wilson two twenty pound back is getting around that edge. And then he gets like twelve yards. He gets around the edge. Gets that's preseason. I get it. He's not going against the the big time middle linebackers of the world. But like. You just don't see that from AJ, and I, I appreciate the pass pro. I appreciate something. Taylor was getting a little bit like you the, the one run he had, the one run Patrick Taylor like he had a more than one run, but like he had that ten or twelve yard run that was better than anything AJ did in that game. Um, and it wasn't perfectly blocked up. He had to make a guy miss, got upfield, and it was nice. Also, by the way, on that play where he cut inside. Clifford's running to the side. Pitch that ball to Sean Clifford. Get rid of it. Pitch it to Sean Clifford. Let Clifford do the rest of the work. Would have been amazing, but uh, no, I, I'm with you. I think they need to start, you know, pushing that a little bit. I mean, it's not, it, it's a moot point when they trade for Jonathan Taylor in a couple weeks anyway. Justice. So I mean, it's a, it all. It, it, are you willing to give up Christian Watson? That's the question. <laughs> I think you have to give up Christian Watson Jair and like three first round picks. If you want Jonathan Taylor at this point, yeah. Yeah. it's like Jim Mersey is the only one. And like, I'm listen, I'm more on board and I like, I don't like saying it out loud. Cause I, I feel for running backs, but I'm definitely on the don't pay running backs bandwagon. I'm definitely on the don't give up premium draft picks and pay running backs bandwagon. Um, but like, I, I can't imagine being a owner of a team that feels like they're like your running back is not worth like 11 million a year but is worth Christian Watson or Jalen Waddle or uh, whatever that you want in return for a trade. It's just like the, the, the trade gymnastics that your mind has to go through to get to that point is uh, pretty tough to understand.
1: I think the running back bar right now is Cole Komet, right? Cole Komet was able to get like 17 or whatever. You can't tell me some of these running backs aren't impacting their team more than Cole Komet. Cole Komet. I understand the age, the age stuff. Maybe you want to sign them to shorter term contracts, we got to hit the Cole Comet numbers at least.
2: Yeah. I mean, that would be if you, if I were the agent for Jonathan Taylor or any of these running backs, that would be the first contract that are like Taysom Hill has got to be the very bottom. Yeah. Uh, the, the Taysom Hill three years ago got what, 10 or 11 million on a, on the, you know, per year on a deal. So insane. Can't go, can't go below that if you're one of those. Yeah. It's, it's a weird situation and uh, I don't know how that's going to play out, but That'll be one of the big ones that happens this year. Justice, you are beyond amazing. Do you want to uh, plug uh, Acme and anything else you're working on?
1: Yeah, Acme Packing Company. Um, check out all of our analysis there. I, I mentioned you know, I kind of took a look into the wide receivers last night, so that stuff is up on the front page. Um, going to do some more breakdowns. The Packers are doing this weird, I'm sure you saw it, like the double fullback stuff. That's a lot of fun. Like, the I same side, like the sidecar stuff. So I'm going to like break down some of that film. Um, yeah, just going to watch the games, get a preview of the games, things of that nature. So go check it out.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to watch Falcons week one tape and kind of dig into that. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun too. Uh, I, don't, sure I, I don't know. Cause how, they ran
1: like 40 plays. So. I don't, I was going to say, I don't know how
2: much fun it's going to be, but I'll be excited to see what they look like overall. Uh, make sure to follow him. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow, of course, the Packaday podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcast, as well as on YouTube. That's going to do it for justice. And I will be right back here next week breaking down Falcons, Packers, hopefully talking about 2-0 and uh, celebrating that as well. Justice, you're amazing. Always appreciate you doing this. We'll see you guys next week. I'll see you guys tomorrow here on the show. But until next time, and as always, go Paco.